Welcome to Movie Time Capsule, where I tell my guests that the world is ending and that they have 60 minutes to fill their capsule with the movies that have impacted their life. My guest today is Kevin Vafi. He is not only a film lover, he is also a film producer. He is currently in pre-production on a movie with Javier Bardem. I had a lot of fun with this episode. We get into the unique magic of animated movies. We discuss lines from movies that have stuck with us for years. And as a bonus, we're going to do some soundtrack trivia at the halfway point. Oh, and definitely check out the next episode where I talk with Ryan Airy from YouTube's Screen Crush. If you are serious about film, you won't want to miss it. My name is Luke Cheney. I am so glad you're here. Let's roll. It is time to talk about movies. All your favorites, all your loved ones. We will hear them and we'll cheer them. It is time for Movie Time Capsule. With me today is a guy who really knows his shit when it comes to Hollywood. He's a film producer who has worked with actors like Jennifer Aniston, Jason Bateman, Anthony Ramos, Naomi Scott. Welcome to the show, Kevin Vaffi. Vaffi? Vaffi? Vaffi. Vaffi. Damn it. Maeve says Vaffi if it makes you feel better. I've been (laughs) called both. So you just got back from Georgia, Atlanta? New York. New York. New York. You went to both? Or are you going to Atlanta next? No, I'm going to Atlanta next week. Okay. So what are you currently working on? Um, I'm working on a musical for Sony called Lyle Lyle Crocodile. It's based on a children's book from the 1960s by Bernard Weber. Um, And yeah, it's a 17-page children's book that you probably don't know that well. So (laughs) the sky's the limit as far as what we want to do with it, which is exciting. And we're going to make it a musical. Yeah. um, And have our crocodile kind of speak through song and singing. So... We're excited. It's going to be a CG live action hybrid. So Paddington kind of vibe with more right. of a musical element. Yeah. So he's going to be singing every time he talks, like kind of like a 100% pure musical. Pure. Well, yes, I've learned this new word now that I can't shake. It's called diegetic musical. Right. So <laughs> for those who don't know what that means, apparently it means that you are singing to a song. And if you were a voyeur looking through the window, you would actually see a crocodile singing to this song. Whereas a lot of musicals are non-diegetic, which means that it's a, the song is an extension of their emotional feeling. Um, And if you look through the window, they're probably just sitting depressed at the table. Oh. And not actually singing the song, but feeling those emotions of the song. Wow. That's a complicated way to think about it. Yeah. So Justin and Benj, did Greatest Showman, La La Land. They're doing this, right? Yes. Is it the same kind of category as Greatest Showman as far as the music and the diegetices? I guess Greatest Showman counts as non-diegetic, I believe, Yeah. for the most part. Although, I guess it gets tricky once you're on a stage. I don't know how that translates. Again, I just learned this word. So <laughs> it's it's a very interesting way to think about a musical, and it actually has given me pause to rethink about all the musicals I've seen and to think about how they were perceived. So that's an interesting one. But um, yeah, we're Trippy. learning our way through it and having a good time. And it's it's an exciting project that we're, we're moving forward on. Yeah. So the directors that you work with are Speck and Gordon or Gordon and Speck? Speck and Gordon. They've done Blades of Glory, Office Christmas Party. Um, how did you or how did they decide to do this Lyle Lyle Crocodile? Um, They've always loved the book. They grew up with the book, and they've even read it to their own kids. They really wanted to kind of 
find something in this space. I mean, they both have kids and wanted to kind of share that with the world. So, yeah. So you're technically the director of development for them. Yes. I'm the executive producer on the movie and yeah, I work with the guys strictly. So, yeah. And I just read today that you guys are almost a year away from your release date for the movie. Yes. July 22nd, 2022 right. is what they announced. So yeah. Scary. Is that, that's scary. That's <laughs> <It's> scary. <laughs> it seems fast for an animation or a movie that has animation in it. The main characters. Yeah. CGI. I mean, especially well, it's, I think animation is one way to do something and trying to make a photo real character, I think is even, it's just more attention to detail right. um, because animation, you can take liberties because you're animated. But then on the flip side of animation is that takes a long time in and of itself, just because you can continue to change things and animate and reanimate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's ambitious for sure. So we are fast, fast <laughs> on the fast track here to try and keep up with it. But um, we're excited. Awesome. So you spent some time at Lionsgate. You spent some time at Focus Features. Yep. Uh, before that, how, when did you know that you wanted to go into film? Uh, as a really young kid, I knew I wanted to go into film. I think there's probably a moment in a movie theater with my mom and brother or something. And I was like, I want to do that. You know, I have a brother who's a lot older. And you know, he was more in the moment of figuring out career-wise what he wanted to do because, you know, he was like 16 and I'm like nine. <laughs> um, and so I think they just entertainingly to keep me part of the conversation were like, well, what do you want to do, you know? And I'm sitting in a movie theater and I'm like, I want to make, I want to do that. I want to make movies. And I think there was kind of like a, oh, well, it's good to have dreams kind of thing. And then I was like, well, wait, no, I do want to do that. Like, why, why can't I? Yeah, you yeah. Know? Why not? Like. Someone's got to do it, right? Why can't it be you or me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you remember what mo that movie was? For that I don't theater? remember. It was over. The, it was during the previews. Yeah, we wouldn't. <laughs> we wouldn't speak during the actual movie, guys. Come on. No, no, no. Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> but yeah, I think at an early age, I wanted to yeah direct mostly. Um, and then as I grew older and started taking film classes and going to high school, I kind of started getting labeled the producer because I naturally just think more business oriented a little bit yeah and i think i'm too pragmatic to be a director sure i don't know i think at some point or another everyone wants to direct it's a director's medium and mm -hmm. you know one one mountain at a time get enough going on yeah exactly well uh i just got a notification on my computer it, apparently the the ice caps are melting and they're gonna like in about an hour it's probably gonna just flood the entire world Oh, jeez. So I think we probably should start choosing some movies for your capsule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, the first question I have for you is, do you remember, do you know what your first movie that you ever purchased was? First movie that I ever purchased? I I don't remember the first, I don't know if I purchased it. Like I, I definitely didn't purchase it. I was way too young, but I, I do somehow remember like a VHS of Balto like pretty aggressively. Like I was like kind of had that with, with Balto? us. Balto? Yeah. It's like a, is that a animated animation. Yeah. It's like an animated, like, is it like a wolf movie or like a dog movie or something? Huh. I just remember always like kind of having that VHS at my grandparents' house. And sometimes we, I would take it home to my own house and then bring it back there because my cousins were all there and we'd all watch it. So somehow that, that movie like, but I couldn't tell you the plot of it at all. <laughs> 
I'll have to look that up on Disney Plus, I guess. <laughs> I wonder if it's on Disney Plus. That's a good question. Okay, that was an... Un- it's, like, it's like the worst movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Kevin Bacon. <laughs> your first can be your worst. It's okay. It's okay. What's the movie that everyone needs to see once in their life? And you want me to just pick one. Well, um, you, can, you can dance around it if you want to. Your capsule's yeah, going mean, to run out of, the run go- out of size. I, I think I have to put the Goonies in there. For Goonies. Sure. Yeah. I have to put American Beauty in there. Oh. Yeah, I do love American Beauty. I do love Goonies, Sons of the Lambs. I mean, there's so many. There's so many just movies that I'm just <laughs> like, wow. I don't want to mention Nations 11 because I'm sure I'll mention it in some other way, shape, or form. Coming up later. <laughs> All right. I freaking loved that movie when that came out. I thought that was like the coolest fucking movie. It was so cool. And like at the first time I got to Vegas as an adult, I was like, I'm going to the Bellagio. I'm going to see those fountains at night. Uh, and I, I have a picture from it. The first time I ever went there, because I was just like, oh, this is a fucking movie moment. It, and it was so perfectly wrapped up, that movie. All right, my next question for you is, what movie would you show someone to cheer them up if they're having a bad day? Ooh, I think it depends who it is. Sure. But if you don't get cheered up by this movie, then I don't know what to say. But I think Wally. And I promise you, I would try not to do too many Pixar answers. So that's (laughs) count that as my first strike. (laughs) Wally is a lot of fun. Wally is just like heartfelt and sweet and whimsical. Yeah, I think it just and it's of little of very few words. Yeah, and sometimes you don't need words to feel better. I actually think you don't need words to feel better. Sure, sometimes you know, yeah, you just need to like process. And that movie is just like a full, I don't know, emotional process that you just go through and you feel for two basically inanimate objects. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird how very little words are said. It's like you're almost watching like a child or a puppy, like just something that just, it's all physical. Yeah. Which is so universal at the end of the day. Like anyone, whether you're from here or from India or wherever, like you can just, you get it instantly. Yeah. Fully. And I think it's bold, honestly. I think that's a scary thing. Like, it's easy. It's easy to write a bunch of words, like, you know, fill up a page and or justify a feeling, but to be able to do it without saying very many words, I think, is very. It's like kudos to Pixar, but also the beauty of anime. I think you can only do that in animation because it's just like you can yeah. continue to iterate and iterate and iterate until you nail that what emotion that you're trying to translate. Yeah, I can't think of off the top of my head any live action movies where like the main character doesn't speak that doesn't much. speak outside of you know Chaplin and Keaton Quiet Place is a close a close one right but you don't get that same level of you don't no. emotion but I mean you feel it though that sequence when he like when he sacrifices himself is pretty emotional it's just like yeah I don't know I think this the silence in that is is so powerful again mm-hmm. I think, honestly, sound is the best tool in filmmaking that you can use. The opening sequence of Gravity, I mean, it's just like, Fuck, yeah. it's really, really loud. And just, that's like something you have to see in theaters. Because yes. the sound just cuts out and it's just earth and space. And it's like, puts you right into the environment that you're in. Yeah, that was, I got, I got to see that at the new Grauman's Chinese Theater. And it was so fucking awesome. It's awesome. I think so I saw it in IMAX and I was just like, holy shit. Yeah. That's one of my favorite movies. It's just nonstop. Which is, and it's so simple. That movie. Right. 
It's like a 90 minute just roller coaster ride. Just the worst thing happens and the worst thing happens and the worst thing happens. Yeah. But the backstory is so just like it's thin, but it's totally you get it so well. And it's so just the idea of grabbing sand at the end and like the things that you appreciate that you normally would never right. think of just like rubbing all over your face and being excited about is amazing. And I think it's kudos to them for taking you on that ride and journey and nailing that. So Yeah. So many emotions in that movie. Cause like you, you go with Sandra, she's depressed about her kid. And then like Clooney comes back into the picture and you're like, what the fuck is going on? You're yeah. confused. And then like, you think she's going to get back and then she doesn't get back. And then it just up and down, up and down. Such a great movie. That's one of the movies where like, I wish I could get Alzheimer's for 90 minutes and, and then go again. watch it again at IMAX. Cause it's so, it's such a, it's so original and unique. Yeah. And there's fully. nothing really like it. Yeah. It's funny. I it's, there's a lot of those movies where, especially if you haven't seen them for a while, like I was just on a flight and you look over and you see like, you know, I could see two rows over and I could see one person watching inception on one monitor and then right behind it, the departed. And I'm just <laughs> like, God, like both of those movies are so phenomenal. And I'm, I'm watching with no sound because I'm just like watching from a distance yeah. and I'm just, I can't take my, for some reason I kept just looking back and looking back and I'm like, I know exactly what happens here, but I'm still, I just can't not look. Right. That's how you know it's good. Yeah. It just holds on to you. All right. Let's keep moving here. What's the movie that blew your mind when you watched it? It's an interesting question. Is it, it like, do you mean as a piece of cinema or as a piece of like, like I find that I've learned a lot of life and common sense lessons through cinema and through films and watching those things. And mm-hmm. I think I personally love that about the medium is that, I think you can teach people, you know, I think we've changed our society. It's taught you what being cool is, what, you know, being uncool is, what being a nice guy, all that kind of stuff that you learn, just social cues that they build, which is why it's like such a powerful medium. So I think if I was going to answer it as just like a life lesson film, I'm kind of obsessed with Up in the Air in this weird way. Yeah. Just because I only because there's honestly one line that just has always stuck with me in that movie. How old were you when they paid you to give up on your dreams? Exactly. Oh, how shit. much? How much did they pay you to give up on your dreams? Right. Yeah. And that guy and J.K. Simmons says like twenty seven thousand dollars a year, like plus benefits or something like that. Yeah, there's something so true about that line. It's it just rings like straight through where you're just like wow, like if you really step back in that thirty thousand foot view of your life and just be like, what. Like, how did that happen? How did I not get to whatever you were trying to get to or whatever? And it's like, and if you look at the grand scheme of things, you're like, it's 27,000 or 50,000 or 100,000, whatever it is. Yeah. And if you ask your, you know, 20 year old self, how much do I have to pay you to give up on your dreams? You'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Like, um, it's not for sale. You know what I mean? And then, but when you look at it in this weird way, I just feel like that totally can happen to people and it does happen to a lot of people. And I think when I watched that movie, it really resonated with me of like, holy shit, like that's, that's real. Like you can like just hold on to your dreams and go after your dreams and just don't give up. Yeah. You know? Like, and they're not for sale. Yeah. I feel like we're lucky that we got to see that movie in our twenties or whatever. Yeah. Before, you know, we went down our career paths or didn't go down career paths. Like that line has stuck with me. And obviously with you, yeah. like as a reminder, like, 
why are you doing the things that you do? And yeah, will you be happy with this when you're 40 or when you're 50? I fully. And I think if the answer is no, then you shouldn't be doing it. Exactly. You know, and I think you have to love what you do. So I think in that sense, as a life lesson film, I, I would say that I, I wouldn't say that as like a piece of, I mean, I love the movie, like, but I wouldn't say like, oh my God, it's like the best piece of cinema ever. Um, Ocean's Eleven did really stick with me at that time. I was young, but like, mm-hmm. I remember seeing that in theaters. And I think just the level of comedy and fun and twists and it's just like well-rounded, perfectly cast. Mm-hmm. Just It was just a full on, it was the full meal, you know, like it gave you everything you wanted to do. It brought you out of the theater energized like oh my god like i can rob a bank right now you know and it's like in that baby driver way and you're like well no you can't calm down uh, but at the same time you know i think you can find a person in your group or friends that like fits one of those models you know what i mean of each yeah. of those people and it's, it's just an interesting kind of group of misfits that you in this weird way like are kind of cool and you look up to you know right. so it's like the funnest heist movie of all time. Yeah, I think it's the most easily, easily the most fun for sure. There's a lot of great. I love a good heist movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could go down a rabbit hole of heist movies for sure. Inside Man is oh, love it. That's probably one of my top ten favorites. Yeah, in general or just heist? In general. Oh yeah. In general, I, I'm a big fan. Now, here's a question: I was 100 percent unsure what you were going to say. Did you know the other ones I was going to answer? Obviously, you knew <laughs> up in the air. <laughs> no, but I mean, I don't know if you're if you're a crier or not. I am an easy crier, actually. I feel like in movies. I guess if you're picking Pixar movies, then you kind of are. And yeah, I mean, this Lynn's... is going to be another Pixar movie. You know <laughs> okay, what's the one that before you... before we go to the crying one? Because I will. I just do need to say one movie that I that did blow my mind last year. Okay, was Sputnik, which I'm sure I've told you about a hundred times. I don't think you have, and I don't, because I, I don't know what that is. Sputnik is like a Russian sci-fi film. It's subtitled. It came out during the pandemic. It's totally fictional, but it's set in like, I think it's set in the 70s. It's just a period sci-fi horror film in this kind of weird way, but it has a great twist. It has a great kind of runner underneath it. The visual effects are amazing. It was made for like three and a half million dollars. Mm. Highly recommend checking that movie out because it's it will blow your mind of just like wow we did not see that coming yeah so it keeps you it keeps you on your toes for sure okay all right you would like it put on the list going in (laughs) it's first film that you've talked about that i haven't seen yet okay so you are an easy cry yeah i'm not i i'm not like an easy baller like i won't like just like break out into like bawling tears but like to shed a tear in a movie it's not totally hard for me now okay okay so what's the movie that makes you cry guaranteed? I mean, it's the movie that makes all of us cry. All of us. Can you guess it? All of us cry. Well, see, I don't usually cry, so I'm not like in your headspace right if now. If you don't cry and up, you're not a, you're <laughs> not a human. <laughs> Which scene? The whole movie. <laughs> the end of it. The end of the first act. Or not even the first act. The first eight minutes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the first the first montage definitely gets you choked, if not tearing up for sure. Yeah, I think honestly, I put like probably any Pixar movie in there, minus mm-hmm. the Cars franchise. But I think Up for sure. I think definitely gets me to cry for sure. <laughs> when you add Michael Giacchino into almost anything, he's gonna—he's truly spectacular. He's gonna play on your heartstrings. 
Is your is there a runner up? I'm interested to hear if there's a second place for that. God, this one movie I remember going to with my buddy Ryan. We were, we would always on Friday nights go and see movies. Like it was like our, like our thing for sure because it was like the one thing you could do if you didn't have your license. I think it got me more because I wasn't expecting this, but click. Oh yeah. I like go in there thinking I'm going to see some like, you know, happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, Adam Sandler comedy. And then it's like full on drama. I'm like, what is going on in this? The (laughs) rain, the rain scene when when, like after his daughter or the whole family, I think. I think it's, I think it's his son. No, it's his son. son. Yeah. Cause he's got like some business trip or whatever. And he like regrets like putting his work over his family. But just like that rain scene, it's just like, nowhere. wow. Uh-huh. And those are the moments like in those. I feel like we should have all seen Uncut Gems coming from him because it's like in the kind of shadows of all his comedy movies, like Adam Sandler totally has. Like, got the, he's got that. He's the you, deep emotional side. I think you just care for him too much, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think any character that you can empathize with, you can cry for. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's why the Pixar movies are just like so perfectly calibrated that you're like more prone to feeling something for them and it's like you never felt something for like an animated being but between the voices they choose the writing and then just they can kind of make a character act exactly how they want it to so yeah i was watching something recently about dc versus marvel films and why you care about the characters and it's just, it just boils down in the, in that case just to having relatable backstories. Yeah. Like you take a look at Ant-Man and you know, it's not a great movie, but they set up the main character, uh, Paul Rudd. He works at Baskin Robbins, which is a store <laughs> that we've all probably been to once. Yep. You know, they, they could have made him work anywhere for five minutes of the movie, but they chose some place that's relatable and grounds him to our world, uh, which is, this blogger's point about why Marvel films work and why DC films don't work on an emotional level. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think again, relatability is key. And then also they've kind of dialed in the perfect level of comedy. Mm-hmm. I think since guardians, but even honestly, Iron Man, because you know, he was so charismatic that he had that like, so funny. Like he single handedly launched the Marvel universe. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. Like, he should have got a writer's credit on that thing, apparently. I, th- I think he did okay. <laughs> I think he's yeah. all right. He's doing just fine. I think he's over it at this point. He's like, just let me out. Yeah. Just keep, just keep sending the checks. Yeah. All right. I've got one more question for you before we go into our, our trivia break. All right. Um, but what's the movie that you watched when you were young, and while you were watching it, you thought to yourself, I am not old enough to be viewing this? Oh, this I remember very well. Fight Club. Oh, what? How old would you have been? Ninety nine? I don't know. I don't know how old I was. We definitely watched it at home. We got it at Blockbuster. I remember that clearly. Uh huh. Um, shout out to Blockbuster. <laughs> um, I don't know how old I was. You know, my parents weren't like strict in that sense of like, oh, you can't watch this or you can't watch that. But like, you know, there's definitely like moments where I was like, oh, I probably shouldn't be watching this. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I understood the twist at all. For those who haven't seen it, I won't. I won't spoil it. But you know, let's just say Brad Pitt is cool. I guess I don't know. I don't know how you would even describe the twist in in a way that doesn't spoil it. But yeah, um, yeah, Fight Club. I mean, it's it's got some dark themes. 
Mm-hmm. And then I don't know how old I was when I saw Requiem for a Dream, but I feel like that movie just fucks you up when you see it. No matter no matter how old you are, there's I think no you're, age. You're always too young. <laughs> <laughs> you're always no. like that. I can't unsee that. <laughs> yeah, like unless you're going to like a prison rehabilitation. Or, yeah, I don't know. Like there's never. I feel like time. Requiem for a Dream was the movie that they played in. A Clockwork Orange when he was in the in the, in the theater every day in the experiment. <laughs> oh yeah, just oh, people bring that up on this podcast, and I'm like, God, fuck! I was so close to getting that out of my head. All those memories of the grandma grinding her teeth and the, and the orgy. Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> All right, we're about halfway through, so I've got some trivia for you. Oh, great. I'm going to play some music from from movies that everyone has probably seen. Shout it out if you know it. If not, we'll move on. Oh, this is... Um... Oh, my God. I'm blanking on this. Not chair. Raiders of the Lost Ark, also known as Indiana Jones. That's what I was going to go for, but I was like, this seems too easy. All right. I'm going to go with an older one here. That's The Godfather. There you go. Yeah. The Godfather. Nice. Next. Oh, fuck. I know this. It's the opening credit song. The Matrix. Oh, there you go. Fuck. All right. I've got two more for you. This is La La Land. La La Land. You don't sound confident, though. No, it was like so subtle. Without the <laughs> lyrics, it's, it's so tricky. But yeah. Yeah. Next one. I mean, wow, you're going to do that. <laughs> Dances Dances with wolves You were fast on that one Alright I had another one lined up for you But since you already mentioned it I'll just call it a freebie American Beauty Very nice Wow You had that one lined up before I said that? I did yeah Yeah that one's Everyone knows that I think it's very recognizable That opening shot of just like Trees in the city And then Coming the down. ending shot Yeah Okay Not too shabby is there a movie line that you quote a lot in your own life honestly <laughs> yes but as a joke uh do it do, do it. it do it do it johnny redney do it do it what is that <laughs> it's ben stiller from starsky and hutch i feel like it's just such an easy like do, do it, it in that in that like <laughs> kind of Brooklyn accent is just so funny to just do. I mean, they're like going to break into some charity event or something like that. And they're like, yeah. oh, we have to be in disguise. And he does this whole impersonation. And Owen Wilson tries to impersonate it. And it's like not nearly as good. <laughs> do it. Do it. Is it a good movie, though? Should I watch the whole thing? No. No. <laughs> it's okay. not a good movie. <laughs> it's fun, though. Now that I say this, I feel like I need to filter super bad into my answers somehow that's definitely my top two comedies i watched that so many times we would go to the bars get drunk come home watch super bad yeah because like i don't know that just feels like 
me on screen, just having stupid ass conversations with my friends, <laughs> throwing each other under the bus every five minutes, and then trying to get a girl, which never happens. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, I think it, it's kind of cool to have a movie like that. Like, I think that movie is timeless. Like, in a way, it's going to it's gonna hold up. It, it will forever. Mm-hmm. If you have a Synespia in 30 years, like, that movie's playing at it, for sure. People are going to pack sure. the seats. Yeah. Like, how could you not? Yeah, it's like a magical duo of those two. But you talk about relatability, you know? Like, it's like everyone knows that story of, like, wanting to go to the party no matter whether you're cool or not, like everyone wants to go to that party. Everyone wants to get laid, you know, by whoever they're going after. Just like that basic journey of getting from A to B. And that's just like the one night fun. Yeah. Like everything it's, it's full wish fulfillment, everything you could possibly want. And I think everyone can find something in that to root for. So to relate to and relate to. Yeah. It's just so easy. Is there a character that you relate to in movies? Um, I, I really don't know what character i would say i relate to the most that's fine i would love to say will smith's character in pursuit of happiness which is i think chris gardner something right. gardner yep um but at the same time i'm not like born in poverty and i can't relate to mm-hmm. being a black man trying to get you know into wall street and that what it is right yeah <laughs> so I, I can't relate to that necessarily but i can relate to the journey of wanting something so bad that you just give everything to it for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, not there's no one character that I, that I could point to. Like, who would you be? My closest answer would be Mike from Swingers. Okay. John Favreau. Yeah. Because there's a couple bullet points. Is he moves to LA, yeah. which is something I did. His good friend is good with the ladies. His good friend is a good storyteller. John Favreau is not good with the ladies. Not a good storyteller. Um, he's terrible on the phone. We we rewatched Swingers at the beginning of the pandemic. So it's, it holds up, man. Yeah. That movie really holds up. Yeah. And just like navigating LA, I was like, oh my God, these, I watched it for the first time, like probably my first or second year here. And like, you know, going to the, going to clubs or people's house for their parties. You're like, oh man, this party's dead anyway. Like it, like all these things come true. (laughs) Have you seen Marty and Elaine? No. Oh my God, you need to go to that bar. Oh, oh, yes, yeah, at Dresden. At the Dresden. Yes, yeah. yeah. I took Jessica to go see that there. <laughs> they did Staying Alive. It was fucking cool. Yeah, that's that was a blast, just being in that room and like, wow, this is the room. Like, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Literally, you Marty and Elaine still there. go there, yeah. <laughs> and then he actually ends up with the girl, which took me a very long time to get to that point where I found the girl. Yeah. But he does succeed at the end. That's a good answer. Um, what about scary movies? Do you usually seek them out? Do you like to watch them? I'm not a huge fan of horror, like just pure horror movies. No, I, I don't like totally have an interest, but I definitely do appreciate the ones that have like a deeper messaging to them or are trying to say something through it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so what is the movie that scared you more than any other? It may have had to do with how old I was or the fact that I just been to too many children's birthday parties and scarred by this as a child but the original it was oh. definitely that stuck with me mm-hmm. <laughs> i just feel like clowns in general are just yeah and that was such unnecessary a we don't need clowns. hideous looking clown the that giant was, hair yeah and his teeth yeah the first the original it yeah i think was 
was scary. Which is interesting because I think around the same time I probably saw The Exorcist, which I didn't find scary. Yeah, I I watched that later in life, and I I felt like it was too fake. Feel like it was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was. I don't know why that it just it, I didn't. We kind of used to like laugh about it a little bit more mm-hmm. than be afraid of it. Um, I think it was definitely the one that was like the that stuck with me the most. Was it like the jump scares or just because of the? Jump scares for sure, and I think the clown for sure. Just in general, like I, I was never a fan of clowns. So you've kind of had like a weird. Yeah, I've got a lot of a lot of baby photos at like two years old, where like a clown, it's like right there, and I'm just like screaming, crying. (laughs) My mom's just like holding me or something, and I'm just like, yeah, that's not for me. (laughs) (laughs) This next question is open ended, as to which way you want to take it. Could be a scary way, or it could be a different way, but. What's the movie that gives you goosebumps? I didn't look at it as a scary way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I looked at it as more like I read goosebumps as chills. Sure. For me, it's the last scene of Blood Diamond. It's just like a powerful scene where just another character who just gets finally like is gets what he deserves. Does he sacrifice himself? No, he he gets the diamond and he gets to like walk into the well, Leonardo DiCaprio sacrifices himself in the third act, but the final scene of it is, and I'm going to butcher his name, Digimon Hintsu, is that? Right. Uh, who's, yeah. who's got the, he actually has a diamond and goes into like an auction or something and, you know, his family's finally come to America and he's got a better life and, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio's character like basically arced and gave him a chance to survive and he's the one who originally found that big stone and, and right. the music kicks in. Who I'd be curious to know who did that music on that movie. And yeah, I just think it just always gives me chills of like, it's kind of the American dream in this weird sense, but it's also like this amazing thing of like someone, like I earned this, but also like somebody allowed this f- to happen for me and like kind of pushed it forward in a real way. And that's like grateful. I don't know. It's like a, an amalgamation of the American dream people helping people and a character also like arcing and becoming who they're supposed to be. And then just a great soundtrack all at the end. At the same time. Yeah. So, and, and the fact that he's got like a family and it's just, it's a powerful end to a movie, I think. And I do love that movie a lot. It's a, it's a powerful one, but the music is, is a huge part of it. James Newton Howard. There you go. Have you seen the documentary called scored or score? No. It's fucking awesome. It's all about the music, the soundtracks, themes, how themes are made and how they're kind of used throughout and expanded. Um, And it's told very visually so that anyone pretty much can understand it. It doesn't have to, you don't have to be in music, you don't have to be in film. And like, you know, talks to all the great um, composers and shows examples, like uses Lord of the Rings. It's very, very smart and just well done. Is it on like Netflix or something? It might be HBO. Score, I'll check it out. What's the movie that means the most to you? Not necessarily because of the quality of the film, but because of the experience that revolved around seeing it was so unique that it'll always stick with you. (laughs) Toy Story. Toy Story. In the theater? In the theater. That movie like changed. That was like, I, I always loved the Disney movies, but that was... That one was like took it to the next level. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Even my mom would say like that I was obsessed 
with it. Like, really? Absolutely. Did you have the toys? I had all the toys. <laughs> I literally had all the toys. Yeah, I don't know why. I even Maeve, my fiance, when we were dating a while ago and Toy Story 3 came out at that time, I think. And she took me to see a double feature of one and two uh-huh. in the theaters. We saw them back to back. And then we saw three like a week later. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's just somehow it's just been a seminal, seminal film. Those films are, I feel like I want to say near perfect. Like they just, if it's ever plain, I'll watch it. Yeah. There's so much to love about it. Like, you know, like any large cast, you can always identify or love one character. Like, oh, that's my character. Slinky Dog is my guy. Or, yeah. Buzz is my guy. Like, I liked Woody the most, but I had the Buzz Lightyear action figure because he was cooler. Yeah, I think I liked Buzz more, but I'm probably more of a Woody if you wanted to categorize me as a character. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'm more type A, more like, you know, want to be in control kind of vibe, Uh but it always does help when you have someone come in and break that up and like kind of keep you on your toes and be like, oh, okay, like you don't need to do that. You, uh-huh. you can be, you can let go and it could be fine. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's, that's a character I would say I relate to actually. Hey, there you hey, go. <laughs> <laughs> likes to be in control. Likes to keep the peace. Yeah. Likes- do you keep the peace in your family? Cause you have a, I have a big family. Large family. Um, do I keep the peace? I don't know. That I keep the peace, but I, I'm pretty good about being level headed and like kind of, you know, I try and find ways to relate to everybody and mm-hmm. not have any beef with anybody. Like I, you know what I mean? Like I, I feel like I'm pretty easy as far as that kind of stuff goes, but yeah. I can um, see but if you ask me an opinion, I definitely have one and I'm not afraid to share it. <laughs> so yeah, in that sense, for sure. I don't know. Does Woody keep the peace necessarily? Or does he just kind of, he's, he's got an agenda. I mean, he's, he's not, yeah. he's not without fault i he's he's definitely selfish right yeah you know he's an attention i mean he's he's a favorite and that's the whole isn't that that's the whole movie right it's a new favorite comes in and it's like yeah number one he you see him as a leader peacemaker and then he gets threatened and becomes totally selfish yeah and then number two he's trying to save himself and well i guess the other toys that have been captured some really quality cinema we're talking about here, guys. <laughs> I know we're going deep, deep into the toy story. Deep into the toy story, but I can. Like, it's worthwhile. It's really. I. I mean, I remember that scene when he like rips his arm, and then like they bring the old man in, and he's got like all the microscopes <laughs> on his eyes, <laughs> and he like resells his arm back on. Yeah, but like little things like that that just like I'm like wow, like I could totally see. And I feel like if you could bring that kind of stuff to live action features it's sometimes you can't honestly like i think it's i feel like we're finding that a little bit sometimes when if you want to do like a flashback sequence like how great is it to do you know the ratatouille one when the critic who's overly tough on everything tastes the food and it's just like you zoom out of his eye and (laughs) and you see him as a child and you just you know that's not something you can do Live. In a live action movie, mm-hmm. you know, it's just some things that are just not designed for live action. But if you could somehow pull off that transition, it'd be truly amazing. But yeah, I'm a sucker for those movies. I don't know why. There's something, yeah, like you said, there's something that they can pull off 
that live action can't. And I've been thinking about that more and more as better animation movies come out. I'm like, man, it'd be so much fun just to go into animation where everything is possible. Yeah. Nothing, you're not constrained by But it's this a double-edged sword though, right? Because it's like when everything is possible, you're never done. Right. And that's why these movies take like three, four years to make. Mm-hmm. You know, and but it's funny. I, I was just in New York and I went to this bar or this club called, yeah, it's a bar, I guess, called Smalls in Greenwich Village. And, you know, I'm just sitting there and never been to this bar. Someone's like, you have to go. You're in New York. Just go, go, go. And I was like, all right, fine. I guess I'm just going to go. And went and checked it out. And I'm sitting there in the second row and they're playing like, you know, jazz or whatever they're playing. And, and then at the end of their session, like they each in the middle of the session, they each kind of take like a, a moment where they play like a solo, each of the instruments. And at the end of it, you know, you kind of learn that, oh, that was just them jamming. Like, they all just, like, picked a song and started playing it. And then the guy just says, like, you know, is there anyone out there who's got, who knows how to play music, like, play instruments? Like, come on up. Yeah. Like, literally. And they just all swap out with just people in the audience. Like, people bring a stand-up bass, a saxophone, like, all this stuff. And I couldn't help but think of Soul, like, the newest Pixar movie that came out. And, yeah, you know, I didn't love it like i love the other ones but i was like wow like this is totally a thing it was just like kind of a moment where i was like wow like you know i heard some of them coming out and like one of the guys had never done it before and he's like wow i'm definitely coming back next week yeah and it's just like an energy that you can't buy or you know recreate in any way shape or form and i'm sitting there close enough where i can hear them talk and i can hear the piano guys telling this guy like oh do you know this song or and then they're like, oh, no. And then they like go through another song of like, do you know that song? Like, oh, yeah, that, we all know that one. Like, let's play that one. And they just start jamming just to go. it. go. Yeah. So I was like, wow, this is like full soul vibes where I'm just uh-huh. like that that movie didn't resonate as much for me. But I'm sure there are people in the world who it does resonate for in the sense of like, you don't have every single day is a, a good accomplished day. You don't have to be, you know, a famous musician to play music sure so yeah um it was just i find a lot of that kind of life lessons and inspiring stuff in movies that i've that i want to take away um and i think using the medium to make stuff like that is a powerful thing and if i could teach a younger person one decision in life through a movie then great you know that that's a huge win and and it's hard to do that in broad comedies per se <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I think over time, like that's the kind of overarching goal that I would try to get to as a filmmaker. Like up in the air, up in the air. So, I mean that. Yeah, that's like a just a one line thing that somebody wrote the script and it somehow made its way to screen, and then it, like it just I don't know like that. I don't think that like Jason Reitman was thinking that that's gonna be what people remember from this movie yeah that people remember or or that that movie you know like there's so many different ways to to do it and i like that's a huge takeaway for me and it's like as much as i remember do it from starsky and hutch i remember (laughs) that line or pursuit of happiness line and like for totally different reasons you know it's like those lines are kind of like oh that's that resonates and that that sticks around and you're like yeah it actually makes me think about my life in a way of like like you said like what do you want to do and like how how are you going to avoid answering that question incorrectly one day if somebody were to ask it to you 
you know, put yourself in that person's shoes. And I think that's what mm-hmm. the power of movies is. And that's why you need to relate to these characters. And that's how you do cry is because when you do put yourself in that character's shoe and empathize with them, you feel that moment when they arc or when something happens to them. And, and then, you know, you hurt for them in this great way, which is, I think cinema is probably one of the only mediums that does that in a, in a very effective way because you're seeing, hearing all of it. You get all kind of sensory elements, I guess. I don't know what you call them, overload. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Roger Ebert has a, a line, or not a line, a quote from himself that is something about movies are a machine for generating empathy. It can show us how to deal with life, how to relate to other people. And I think it's a, just a beautiful quote of, you know, just the essence of, of cinema. And, you know, I think as filmmakers, what we try to do is just try to show each other something about ourselves or, yeah. or someone else that the audience doesn't know about yet so that we can all can just get along a little easier and get through life together a little easier at the end of the day. A hundred percent. And I, that's, that's a great quote. We got two questions left. They're the bigger ones. And this kind of goes along with what we were just talking about. If you were to choose a movie to sum up the good side of humanity, what would you put in your capsule? I feel like I'm repeating, but pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. Struggle of, of the American dream. I think it's struggle, but I think it's also just believing in yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just, I guess that's my theme of everything tonight is just continuing to believe in yourself, which is, you know, I guess what they do. And they do that in pursuit of happiness. They do that in up in the air or they question that in up in the air. I think it's the darker side of it. Yeah. I think it's just kind of overcoming the obstacles that life puts in front of you. And I think the harder one is that we put in front of ourselves as humans because I do think it's naturally easier to make excuses and you know, contemplate what you're going to do or what you're not going to do just based on the way people are going to think of you. And I think you have to kind of just displace yourself from that whole world and just say, like, what do I want to do? And believe that you can do it. Yeah. And I think if you can pass that on to humanity and it's just like, and you can apply that, I think, to anything. You know, I think in the world where, climate change is happening and people are like oh it's too late and we're we're done it's like no it's not too late like if you want to do something about it like do something about it go if you want to just help kids or be a nonprofit, like whatever you want to do i think as long as you just know that like you can believe it and do it and just fuck what everyone else thinks about it anything so no excuses yeah there's no excuses and i think it's it's, that's the easy way out, right? Everyone can just make excuses for themselves. Like, oh, I couldn't do it because of this, or I couldn't do it because of why, you know? And I think mm-hmm. I think timing is a huge thing. You know, it's something I think about a lot of like when I do things and how I rush into things, do I not do them? When in your life is the right time to do things? And And I think that movie is just like, shows you another one where it's like, any time is okay. You know, you can just, like why why stress like oh there's you're not past there's no expiration date on you until you're dead <laughs> so like if you want to you know change careers change careers do it like fuck it do it do it see <laughs> Johnny Redney do it do it <laughs> all right here's the, the the final question and I'll put it to you like this the ice caps are melting the tide tidal waves coming you've got a 
a bunker that's airtight that'll last you through the through the uh, the tides. If you can bring one movie into your bunker with you that you can play on loop, what's the movie that you won't get sick of that you can watch all the time? That I won't get sick of and that I could always watch. Endlessly enjoyable. I'm looking at my previous answers to see. Definitely not it. That's probably Ocean's Eleven. Hell yeah. Just because, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's my favorite film of all time, for sure, but that's a good, the way you phrased it, which is something I could always watch. I do think that film just has enough elements of just fun and it's all funny, of it. entertaining. It's it entertaining. moves like yeah. a freaking freight train. Yeah, I think, and the twist is so good. Yeah, there's something about when a twist is done, or an ending that's done, even though you know what it is, you have to see it play out. Like, all the little details, you want to see it. Like, Apollo 13, you know that they're going to make it. Mm-hmm. But there's at no point where you're going to stop the movie and turn it off and get bored. Like, you have to see those parachutes open after the three minutes of silence or whatever it is. I think that's just good <laughs> directing. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like, when, that's... I think if you ask me what a job of a director is, it's, like, to be able to keep you on your on your toes and keep you interested, even when you know what's going to happen. Right. Like, I, Tanya, like, we all know what happens. You know, Argo, we all know what happens. But those movies still just, like, somehow just grab onto you and hold on and they take you for these rides and yes. I think it's just great great execution at the highest of levels and it's the acting it's the directing it's the choices it's music. all of it you know music editing I think editing is it's, it's editing is so 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 key in mm-hmm. all these things I mean I mean I think even in a movie like A Star is Born like we all know what's going to happen. We've seen this movie like four times now. <laughs> and it's like the new one. I'm like, fuck, good job, Riley Cooper. Like, yeah, you really just, good job. Like, even just a simple sequence of pulling up to a concert was like an action movie. Yeah, that is so cool. How, like, the editing of getting to the car, getting to the plane, yeah. and like sound tuning, like, tuning the guitar. <laughs> You know, mic testing on like it's just getting from A to B. Are you gonna make it? Are you not gonna make it? Yeah. And then getting at that moment, and the lights go on, and you're just like, it all just there syncs up are. perfectly. Yeah, and you're like, just there. in time. And that's the same thing in like Argo. Like you're in that plane at the end, and the cops are outside, and you know they get away. We all know this true story. Like they all get away, but like you're there. Like you're just like, holy shit! And you <sighs> want them to win so bad, and yeah. you're just like, go. I mean, direct great directors are. It's just you can't replace it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of some of the best movies are when studios or financiers or producers just take the bet on the director. You know, I think Inception is Inception would I just don't believe would ever be made if the Dark Knight trilogy was not made because right. it's like after you did that, they're like, sure, I don't understand <laughs> this movie on paper, but like Give if you really want to do it. And somehow, yes, go for it. If you can convince Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio to star in it, we'll let you do it. <laughs> and it's like, perfect. You're like, yeah. wow, that's amazing. That's the movie that blows my, my mind because I've seen the video of Nolan with his whiteboard explaining the timelines and how they all, I'm like, it's, it's how did your brain work to figure this out? It still doesn't make sense. Even as you're writing it down in front of me, it's just, mind-blowing and astonishing in this weird way it's like 
I think about it and it's like it is the Matrix. It is mm. a little bit Palm Spring. Like all these movies, they all touch on the same thread. Thread, you know, they're you're all pulling at the same thing. Tron, like there you go, it's the same thing. Yeah. Like you're going into this other world and I just think the more complex of his is how many layers that world had and how, how you can play with the time. Always time. But then using something that's so fucking relatable, which is sleep and dreaming. Like that is, that is like the key that's like, (laughs) wow. So like I could have this, but I don't know how to have this. Right. You know? And I think that's where it blurs the line of like, is this real or is this not? I think his movies in general, just there's always something new to discover, you know, in every watch. But always, they're always executed well, even if you don't necessarily understand them. You go for the ride. Yeah. You just trust the, you trust what you're, you're signing up for. Tenet makes me just like Inception in a way, trying to understand all of it. It hurts my brain, but I was along for the entire ride the entire time because it's so unique. Yeah. And so well done at the same time. Pacing, soundtrack, everything is there. Well, I think you got to, you know, for me especially, I got to let go of my inner Woody and kind of just be, just go for the ride of like not trying to figure out what's happening. Right. And just like, just pay attention to what you've seen and when new pieces of information unfold, hopefully you can tie those in together. And, you know, I didn't love Tenant. I think I, I was, I'd been hurt. I'd heard such bad things about it that I went in with such low expectations. So I didn't hate it like the rest of the world did, but it's not Inception. I think it was trying really hard to be. And he's trying hard to beat it. Yeah. Yeah. I, he's easily one of the greatest filmmakers of our generation. Yeah. He's got a, a lifetime pass of I'll go see everything he does for forever. forever. Same. Yeah. 100%. And I will try my hardest to see it in theaters. Yes. Um, just because I think he's earned that. He has. In his, in his movies, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, Kevin. It's time to lock up your capsule. But since this is a, is a low-budget show, I need you to provide the foley of your capsule closing. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone does it on the show. It can be whatever you like. I mean... <laughs> Very clever. You used, you used the, uh, your... Your glass and my glass and a coaster, a marble coaster, marble coaster. That's very nice. You have a (laughs) you have a capsule made of marble and and glass. It just locks in together. (laughs) Yeah, it's like you're a castaway and you're just throwing out your message in a bottle, your movies in a bottle. There you go. (laughs) Do you want to say when your next film, Distant, is coming out? Distant. um, We'll have a press release this week of when it's coming out. So. And I don't know if this will come out before that will come out. So I'm not going to say. Okay. But it is next year. And then Lyle, July 22nd, 2022. With Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem so far. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Lots to do and nine weeks out. Yeah. Obviously, you're a busy guy. So I appreciate you taking the time to come and do this. And of course, I think of your questions. Uh, this was awesome to learn about your life through movies and uh, just talk about movies in general. And all my animation love. (laughs) (laughs) If you want a recap of Kevin's capsule choices, you can go to www.lukechaney.com slash MTC. If you don't know who I am, I'm a filmmaker in LA who just loves talking about movies. I'm not trying to make money from this podcast, but you can do me a favor and leave a quick review on Apple Podcasts. It'll help me expand the show and reach more listeners like you. 
Lastly, here's a final piece of trivia. Do you know what movie this quote comes from? It's from the end of the movie, actually. And it goes like this. Son of a bitch stole my line. Mm -hmm.